warning, this is Lama Jigme Gyatso of the Buddha Joy Meditation School. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. There are visual, uh, if you wish to participate visually, just, and you're on Instagram right now, go to my bio, click the uh, link that takes you to my website, find the YouTube icon, and that way you can see what I'm talking about on screen. You do not have to, but it might enrich your experience. This week's topic is going to be lack and abundance and meditation. But first, I'm going to check in with the YouTube attendees. I'm going to click the participant button and the attendees button. I'm going to invite Savannah to be a panelist and Olaf Wallen to be a panelist. And um, you do not have to, but if you wish, you can turn on your cameras and your mics. But if you wish to protect your anonymity, I completely respect that. Uh, Savannah, it's so nice to see your smiling face. Nice to see you too, Jig. Olaf, that's quite a mohawk you're sporting there, sir. <laughs> yes. Oh, king of the frozen north. <laughs> All righty. So, by way of housekeeping, the production of the videos and live streams and podcasts and blogs and PDFs and class materials is supported by the generosity of viewers and listeners and readers just like you. Or if you're as geeky as me, toss a coin to your witcher, oh, valley of plenty. <laughs> I can I can hear Savannah cringe all the way from San Bernardino County. <laughs> so we've discussed the I've introduced today's topic. Before we sally forth, if anybody has any questions, now is the time to ask. Ice coffee. Okay, and it looks like, no. Okay, let's go for it. So I'm going to go into a screen, <coughs> share mode while I cough up a lung. Let's see here, screen share. And hopefully you'll be able to see the documents. I just go like this. 
Is that better? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like yeah. Well, thank you very much. Okay. This week's required reading is the Anapanasati Sutta. One of the great things about this sutta is it sounds like an Italian salad, doesn't it? But with the Anapanasati Sutta, you can download that for free from the website. You can find the website on Instagram and my bio. If if you're attending, you already know my website. And if you're watching this um, after the matter on YouTube, um, on my page, my YouTube channel, there's a link once again to the website. And if you poke around, you'll find that link about an hour after the conclusion of this live stream, when I put up all kinds of links and stuff below the video in the information area, there'll be a link directly to the download page. Having said that, let's turn the page of our virtual sadhana or practice text, if you prefer Sanskrit. We're going to begin with a little taste of bliss. We're only doing this for 16 breaths. We're not going to wallow pig-like. So, this is a, a form of, so this can be the, this technique could be described as Pana Pasadi in the Pali. I'm letting you know this so that you won't get the idea that I'm just making it up and pulling it out of my left nostril. You'll notice in the left, in smaller font, it reads in-breath, and it also reads out-breath. This is our contemplative notation, and it infers that during the in-breath, we silently and mentally recite, grin to nostrils, this should be a review for Savannah et al. And on our out-breath, we, we silently and mentally recite, relaxing, spoiler alert, evolutionary biology has already wired us to relax during each exhalation. So by aligning our intention to relax with our natural propensity, our natural wiring to do so, we are simply getting out of our own way. So we're doing this for one set of 16 breaths. So we're going to count the breaths upon the little and the ring and the middle and the index fingers. I should say the right little and ring and middle and index fingers. And specifically upon the lower and middle and higher sets of creases as well as their tips. I recommend, I would say it's most ergonomically sound to rest your wrists upon your thighs, palms facing the ceiling I'm going to lift my palm up just so you can follow along with my thumb. I recommend moving the thumb in harmony with the in-breath. Once again, if you are on Instagram and you can't see the page, uh, by way of reminder, the guided meditation is grin to nostrils, relaxing. And it's a subtle grin, not a scary grin. This is not a walk. This is not a Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker grin. <laughs> I 
the dark side of bliss training is that some people who are naturally perceptive when they feel these subtle energies coalescing within their central channel they think oh, i'm spiritual because i feel things and on the other hand those who are not wired to be quite so perceptive when they don't feel that they think i suck i am the worst of all creatures i am not fit to be amongst decent people because i don't feel something but neither feeling nor not feeling is an indictment or a vindication the longer we persist with these exercises every morning and every evening every day the more our central as uh, central our sensory acuity will sharpen <coughs> and we'll feel things but the purpose of this is not to feel the subtle bliss the purpose of this is to access the neurology of the subtle smile and the coalescence of our energy to enhance our mental stability for the exercises that follow so let us not needlessly flagellate ourselves about the head and shoulders of course if, if morticia adams were, were here to say of course not that's my job <laughs> So, moving right ahead. We're going to contemplate the view of the four bases of mindfulness through the lens of the three marks of existence. Now, the four bases of mindfulness would be circumstance <coughs> and body and feelings and mind. Today we're focusing just on circumstance. When I think of the the lens of the three marks exist of existence, I think of a monocle used by a villain in a 1920s movie. When we think about our existence, I'm reminded of what the Buddha taught. that there are many stressful things in life but humans have the uh, talent to take whatever stress we have and crank it up a notch by shoving things away or pulling things towards us or holding on to what we think we already have and that just makes things worse so when it comes to the to the fundamental duality of shoving things some things away and grasping for other things or pulling or craving other things in the arena of circumstance that which we shove against is loss or lack that tendency is neither good nor, nor bad it simply is the presence of that tendency does not It's not an indictment against us for both buddhas and boobs alike share that same tendency what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls is not the presence or absence of that tendency but what they what they do with that tendency and by the way the only people who don't experience an aversion to lack or loss are those with poor mindfulness 
or who are just lying to themselves, which really is pretty much digging a hole for us, a great big pothole on the path of enlightenment that I do not recommend. So it's better to uh, tell ourselves an unpleasant, uncomfortable truth than fabricate pretty lies. Let us move on. The first uh, mark of existence is stress. <coughs> so we're going to explore, contemplate the stress of shoving lack away, or at least of trying to. So on the in-breath, we're going to ask the rhetorical question, how hate loss? Now, like most rhetorical questions, it, like all rhetorical questions, by definition, its power is not found in us striving to answer it. Its power is found in us merely reciting it in harmony with the in-breath and then relaxing as best we can in harmony with the exhalation. If we do that, we will evolve. So let us, in the gym, we count repetitions and sets. We're going to count this set. We're going, um, by touching the tip of our left thumb to our left little finger and sliding it down to that first set of creases. Then we're going to place that upon our left thigh. On our right hand, we begin counting on our right little finger. How hate loss? Relaxing. We're only doing this for four breaths, so let's make the most of it. second mark of existence is impermanence or anika in Pali. And once again, this requires zero faith because we have but to look at nature. And as, as we see the, the coming and going of the seasons, we observe the impermanence of the year. And I'm going to take a moment to give a high five to I am Chris. <coughs> Excuse my allergies. Okay, so and as we watch the waxing and the waning of, of the moon, we see the impermanence of the month. As we watch the rising and the setting of the sun, we see the impermanence of a day. And even now, as we rest our hands upon our chest and we feel it swell, and we feel it sink, we feel the impermanence of a breath. Perhaps that is why it is written ever-changing, one and all, there is nothing permanent to grasp. So, let us count upon our right ring finger. How could loss always change? We don't have to believe it, it's just a proposition to play with. recommend everybody keep their eyes open, either gazing upon the text on the screen if you're participating um, on Zoom or on YouTube or at my goofy face if you're participating on Instagram, for it enhances our mindfulness to keep the eyes open. We turn now to the third exercise and the third mark of existence is 
not self or the benefits of ceasing to identify with our experience there's a difference between saying i'm experiencing some loss or i'm a loser one is uh, for the latter is far more destructive than the former and in pali this concept is known as anatta so we are not trying to solve a great metaphysical riddle all we're trying to do is play with some words that help us to let go of our experience of lack so let us count upon our right middle finger how could loss not be me And by the way, all of these um, the meditations are written out and are, will be available for download approximately an hour after class on the website for free. We turn now to the fourth exercise in this set. We count upon our right index finger and it's notice loss relaxing. overview it's delightful to think that we began with hating loss and then moved to simply noticing loss that is the a taste of the liberation that the buddha offers us upon his path whether the buddha was real or purely archetypical <coughs> all that matters is the efficacy of these techniques like jesus some people say Jesus was real, some people say Jesus was not real. But the poignancy of his teachings that God is love or God is truth exists regardless of our faith. For all one has to do is look at some people in positions of power who have a loose relationship with the truth and the peril that results therefrom to say yeah, yeah. An absence of cognitive bias and uh, logical fallacy might be a good thing. <laughs> and those whose hobby is to stuff children into cages might remember that God is love. And of course, those who take exception and say we're not stuffing children into cages, those are also the same people who say staying at home watching TV is the tyranny. So let's move forward so we've looked at we played with four exercises about loss now former exercises about gain look i'm a prophet just as i promised so <laughs> so we began with hating loss and the opposite of loss is gain and the opposite of of hate is craving so how crave gain relaxing and once again we don't strive to actively answer these questions no it is enough to silently and mentally recite them and then relax in harmony with the out breath and let the subconscious do the heavy lifting for us we count up and of course we're now going to advance our left thumb upon our left little finger 
just like that. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Back to our right little finger. How crave gain? Relaxing. And of course, the stress is known as dukkha in Pali. I like that word because it sounds like dookie, which is a euphemism for poo. <laughs> in other words, stress is shitty. <laughs> Olaf, how could you say such a, such a thing? <gasps> so let's move forward. How crave gain? Relaxing. And yes, I know this is bad grammar and somewhere an English teacher is clutching her pearls, but that's okay. It serves the Dharma. How crave gain? Relaxing. So I'm raised a Jew. Look at this nose, look at this hair, look at these eyes. This was a face designed to eat bagels. So I, I am well acquainted with guilt. And it can be very easy to say, oh, I crave things, I'm a bad person. No, you're a human being with a brainstem. And all brainstems are designed to crave that which we think is necessary for our life. And I'm going to take a moment to give a high five to someone whose name I can't pronounce. I'm going to call you E.B. because that's my best. And if I've, if I've murdered your name, I mean, no disrespect. I'm simply a silly man with long hair. So, all living beings with a brainstem will push away lack and pull gain. That's to be expected. <coughs> But it takes a truly wise individual to be aware of that tendency and contemplate it for the purpose of transcending it. So it's safe, it's safe to practice mindfulness. And you'll notice we're going to this is, stick to the same pattern over and over again. This is not due to a lack of imagination. This is the Buddha's process. It's kind of like an old-fashioned hand-cranked coffee grinder, wherein you put into the gurk of human existence and out comes wisdom and love and peace. I guess I can stop cranking now. <laughs> so let's count upon our right ring finger. How could gain always change? We do not have to believe this. It looks better if we do not, for belief is a rigidity of intellect and emotion and it really gums up the works. Simply, these are words to play with. We play with these words in harmony with the breath and notice the results that we feel in our mind and our body. How could gain always change? And of course, if you've just turned in, uh, if you just tuned in and you would find it helpful to see these guided meditations, simply go to my profile, click the website link, find the icon for YouTube, go to the live stream, and that way you can see the uh, guided meditations written out. And of course, you about an hour or so after class, you can download the free PDF of tonight's uh, today's lesson. Um, 
You don't have to, but the choice is yours if you so desire. Let's continue. How could gain always change? And predictably, how could gain not be me? We say this just to help us stop identifying with the present moment, whether it's pleasurable or painful. How could gain not be me? Notice gain relaxing. Excuse me. My breakfast, my breakfast of arose y frijoles came back to say, hello, hola, como esta? Actually, it's not frijoles, it's lentils. Uh, Savannah, how do I say lentil in Espanol? To be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> to be honest, we in the Latin community do not use the word lentils because we are too cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a rose, it was oats. How do I say oats in Espanol? Uh, or are you more fluent in Portuguese? More por in Portuguese. So how do I say lentils and oats in Portuguese? So lentils in Portuguese is lentilha. Chia? Lentilla. Lentilla. And oats? I don't think they really have oats there. Oh no, yes they do. I'm so silly. I'm sorry. They call it Avea. Avea. So I would say and. Is and still E? Is what? Is and E? Like Y? Yes. So it would be a, a Chia E Len. Okay, I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> I just can't do it, Compton. He gave it a solid effort. <laughs> I just, my brain just said, what the hell are you doing? I am not <laughs> wired for this. Anyway, thank you for hearing me, Savannah. Give my love to your brother and your mother and your dad. Will do. Okay. <laughs> so, on our right index finger, notice gain, relaxing. Imagine, if you will, a tennis court. And on one end, you have uh, maybe you have hate of loss. And on the other hand, you have a player named um, Craving of uh, Gain. But the tennis court upon which they are playing would be our circumstance or our lot in life. 
And we're going to shorten the phrase lot in life just to this one syllable word lot because that makes it so much more easy. We're going to advance our left thumb upon our left little finger until it comes to the higher set of creases. And then resting this bad boy back upon its thigh, we turn our attention to our right hand and our right little finger. How grasp lots, relaxing. And remember, this is our circumstance. advance to our right ring finger. How could lots always change? to our right middle finger, how could lots not be me? We advance to our right index finger, notice lots relaxing. So we should say welcome to Donnie, and I'm going to give Donnie a wave. And Donnie, we are practicing some guided meditations. And if you would, if you are more of a visual person than auditory, and you'd like to see the guided meditations on the screen in front of you, simply go to my profile or my bio and uh, click the link there. It'll take you to my website. Find the icon for YouTube. Click that. It'll take you to the live stream. All this stuff is free, and it might make it easier for you. Likewise, about an hour after class, the, um, the practice text that I'm using will be available for free download. You don't have to download it, but if you want to, it's there for you. And if any time during class you have a question, don't be shy. Just type in a question. Let's continue. <coughs> <coughs> Okay. We've done some heavy lifting. We've contemplated the three circles of existence in terms of loss, in terms of gain, and in terms of our circumstance. And now our brain is probably panting. So we're gonna give it a rest. This is called the, the elaborate term, would be watching the play of mind and relaxing into its release. However, the poetic term for this is relaxing into the nature of mind, which sounds as mysterious as it is, as it is cryptic. Therefore, we use the more elaborate term. The technique is ridiculously simple. We begin by advancing our left thumb up our left little finger until it comes to rest upon the tip. 
just like in the centering exercise, we're going to count all four fingers of our right hand. Notice this. Relaxing, we silently and mentally recite this in harmony with our in-breath and our out-breath. Now, as we, as we mentally and silently recite the word relaxing in our out-breath, it's useful to remember that we are already hardwired by evolutionary biology to relax in harmony with each out-breath. And by silently and mentally reciting the word relaxing and intending to relax, we are harmonizing with our factory installed instructions. In other words, we are getting out of our own way. Notice the last thing, and this is vague. It's supposed to be vague. This is scary because it's opening wide the floodgates for our mind to notice whatever it notices, whether it is external or internal, whether it is physical or mental, whether it is emotional or intentional or rational or that which is recalled, mnemonic, or that which is imagined, <coughs> or even something as subtle as that which is perceived. Our, our, uh, our sensations, our flavors, our scents, our sights, our sounds, whether it's pleasurable or whether it's painful, we exercise the courage of vulnerability. We exercise the courage of being vulnerable to our perceptions and the courage to not control our experience. We don't control our experience through rationalization or through labeling, uh, simply by watching and relaxing. We do that through the remarkably simple technique of silently and mentally reciting, notice this, relaxing in harmony with our breathing. Let's begin. got a question. May I ask you a question, Savannah? Yes. I'm asking you a question because you're infinitely cooler than myself. Do you do you know anything about Instagram? Um like the very basic. Like could you participate in a live stream? Like could you listen to a live stream overall upon a laptop? Or can you only do it on a smartphone? Uh, that I don't know. I imagine you can only really do it on a smartphone because it seems like the app itself right. or like the, the network itself, everything is like app-based. If you want to further access anything, you have to have the app. Okay, well, thank you for the tip and let's continue. 
the way I love the chair that Savannah's sitting in, it makes me think of her as First Lady Savannah. No, not First Lady, President Savannah. Yes. By the way, on a tangential note, Donnie, I love calisthenics. I've always felt that uh, body weight exercises um, are important for many reasons. The least of not to, uh, the least of which being, equipment free is excuse free. Now that we've given our mind a chance to rest, <coughs> pardon me, let's move on to the loving kindness portion of our show. The compassionate action of love and letting go. Why? Why practice letting go in addition to love? Isn't love sufficient? No? And I'll tell you why. Love by itself can make us sort of controlling and a little bit uh, nutty. Letting go by itself can make us aloof. However, marrying love and letting go together is unbeatable. <coughs> so be, we're going to continue with the theme of this uh, class, which is uh, the, the circumstantial base of mindfulness. We're dealing with the word boon, <clears throat> and boon is simply a one-syllable synonym for the phrase good fortune, or lucky, or fortunate. So when we silently and mentally recite boon for this lot, we are wishing that our circumstances be fortunate in every sense of the term in the most wonderful way. But wait, you might say, why? Why are we wishing good things for ourselves? How could that be remotely loving? Oh my goodness, my head's going to... Too late. So... <laughs> If you're old enough, you might remember the movie Scanners. Oh, someone just joined and his name is Cesar. Cesar also, hola, como esta? So, Cesar, welcome to the guided meditation. Um, if you are a visual person, you are welcome to go to my bio on Instagram, click the website. It'll take you, uh, once you're at the website, find the YouTube icon. It'll take you to the live stream on YouTube where you can actually see the text that I'm working from, the guided meditation text, which will be available for free download approximately an hour after class. <coughs> Pardon me. Okay, so why do we wish good things for ourselves? Well, our brainstem is already designed to wish good things for ourselves. 
So we're going to capitalize on the neurological mechanism that's already present the same way that a, um, that a runner capitalizes upon the blocks, the starter blocks they use to push off of, to push off against when they sprint. And by embracing the self-centered momentum for our own circumstantial well-being, it makes it easier for us to fall into the loving momentum of wishing circumstantial well-being for our neighbors and then our fellow earthlings and then all beings of all worlds real or imagined but wait wait you might say i am not merlin the magician i i am not gandalf the gray i'm not even olaf the wallen how? How am I supposed to work this magic? What wizardry is this? Well, <laughs> glad you asked, because this is what the Dalai Lama would describe as wishing love. <coughs> <coughs> and from a purely atheistic point of view, from a purely rational point of view, as healthy mammals with fully functional midbrains replete with an anterior gyrate and a plethora of um, mirror neurons. Every time we intend good things for others, we are strengthening, strengthening the neural pathways of empathy and compassion and love and cooperation. Those things that are necessary for the evolution, no less survival of our species. However, if we wish to take a more metaphysical look, we would say this, that words lead intention and intention leads mind and mind leads energy and energy leads matter. And in an interdependent universe where things affect other things and are affected by other things, intentions, especially loving intentions, could be beneficial. But do not take my word for it. You really won't know until you put it to the test. So, let's count upon our left, the tip of our left index finger. This is where we're gonna count our set. Let's count our repetition upon our right little finger. Boon for this lot, relaxing. Now we turn our attentions to our neighbors. Who? Who are our neighbors? Any living beings that we could perceive with our any one or more of our five senses. So wherever we go, even if we're at the DMV, those living beings are our neighbors. Even if we're outside meditating in the shade and an ant is crawling upon us, guess what? That six-legged bastard is our neighbor. <laughs> Clearly, I've had an ant crawl across my eyelid before. Actually, across my eye before. <laughs> I did not like it. <laughs> that made me a great fan of anteaters. 
So, counting upon our right ring finger, boon for neighbors, relaxing. We turn our attention now to Earthlings, all beings populating this sphere. Whether they walk or crawl or swim or fly, whether they speak English or not, regardless of their race or gender or how they vote, or if they can vote. And while we are on the subject of compassion, one of the easiest things we can do to practice compassion is to cease eating, killing, and eating other living beings or paying others to kill them on our behalf. If you wish to learn more about that in the materials below the live stream, in about an hour, you'll find a link to Mike the Vegan, M-I-C the Vegan. It's a wonderful science-based humorous channel about whole food ethical veganism, which you may benefit from. Let's continue. Counting upon our right middle finger, boon for earthlings, relaxing. And now, boon for all beings, and the inferences, all beings of all worlds, real or imagined. We're going full intergalactic, full sci-fi geek. Boon for all beings, relaxing. We enter the uh, swamp known as the appendix. This week's bit, this week's new piece of information is the parable of the movie Patron. I've already turned that into a separate video and a separate, uh, what's it called? Uh, in Instagram uh, livecast. But, <laughs> you're not off the hook because I'm going to subject you, I mean, favor you with a recitation of it right now. First, I must put on my glasses, lest my eyes explode in my face. Ooh, that's much blurrier. Okay. You'll recall last week we discussed the parable of the movie Concession. This is the sequel, Son of Movie Concessions. Let us revisit our friend, the movie patron. He has purchased his tickets and his snack and his beverage and has taken a seat in the air-conditioned comfort of the movie theater. After a handful of trailers, how many? Just enough to make him forget what movie he came to see. And after those trailers, the movie begins. And whether it is adventure or horror or comedy or drama, our friend the patron sits back and enjoys the ride as he knows he has little other choice. For he does not confuse himself for the screenwriter nor editor 
nor director, nor producer, and knows completely that what occurs upon the screen is utterly out of his control. So he nibbles his snack and sips his beverage and enjoys the show. Likewise, when the wise sit down cross-legged to meditate, they know it is not their job to select the sensations or flavors or scents or sounds or sights or emotions or intentions or reasonings or recollections or imaginings that cartwheel across the metaphoric stage of their mind. What then is their job? To notice a vulnerable and passive without bothering to analyze or label and to physically relax that they might mentally let go. And of course the word says we there, but that's what us big boys let's call a typo. And to do all this in harmony with the tightening tendencies of each inhalation and with the relaxing propensities of each exhalation. For in our very good fortune, that is how evolutionary biology selected for our bodies and minds to best operate. And if we put this advice into action every morning and every evening, then we could very much be like a child with a video game. Difficult and frustrating and simply and seemingly impossible to prevail against who at long last receives the manufacturer's cheat codes and is at last able to transform their time spent with the video game from an ordeal into a delight. <coughs> and that is today's class. So, before I bid you adieu, or adios, or okay, Olaf, how do I say goodbye in Sweden? Hey, do. Hey, do. Hey, do. Hey, do. <laughs> nice, I can do that. <laughs> or before I say hey, do, um, do you have any questions for me? before we go our separate ways. Um, so you were talking about how like love and letting go, are they like opposite kind of forces or? Well, that is a good question. It shows, it shows me that you're smart. In addition to your glasses, your glasses also tell me you're smart. And your poetry, uh, that's, on, that's on Twitter. Everyone should look up her poetry on Twitter. It's to die for. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would say that a, many people would, would say that is the case. However, in Buddhism, we don't say that. We would say that they are necessary ingredients in the same salad dressing. So let's pretend you're making salad dressing and you're having a fat, let's say it's olive oil or let's say it's walnuts or let's say it's cashews and you want some sort of an acid. Maybe it's lemon juice <coughs> or maybe it's vinegar or, maybe, or something like that. 
We know that the majority of salad dressings contain both an acid and a fat. Um, and that it, a salad dressing with just fat is kind of yucky and a salad dressing with just acid is kind of yucky. When you put them together, they synergistically, they synergistically combine to form something that's quite delicious. And I make the vegetables go down, but not in a fun and tingly way. So, <laughs> likewise, love and letting go are parts of our brain that work best in harmony with each other. Letting go is already a function of our brainstem. It's already wired into every out breath. Love's already wired into our midbrain by allowing our brainstem and our midbrain to, to shake hands as it were. We are giving ourselves the opportunity to be healthy, well-adjusted adults, as opposed to those who hold the highest offices in the land. You know, the ones who on one hand want their cronies out of jail because they might get sick, but on the other hand can't wait to shove children like little sardines into school in the height of pandemic because intelligence? <laughs> oh, Olaf, I imagine life in Sweden is so much less uh, dramatic than it is in America. Yes, now it's pretty much okay <laughs> from the okay. Pan pandemic. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> good to know. So, any other questions? No question for me. So is your mom back in the States or is she abroad still? Um, she's back in the States and I don't think she'll be leaving anytime soon. I hope not. Right. The world has built its own moat around America. <laughs> well, and she's Brazilian too. So like, that's like the second country up there with like the most cases. What does your mom think about uh, the fellow who calls himself president of Brazil. Bolsonaro, she loves him. How about your dad? Fortunately, my dad hates him. And how about you? I hate him too. Well, the jury's in. <laughs> <laughs> Please give your mom and your aunt my love. Will do. Okay. If you as as the week evolves and you have questions, please jot them down. And once again, within sixty minutes uh, of the conclusion of this live stream webinar podcast, the um, what's it called? Text. Thank you. The text will be available for free download, and ex as an extra added bonus, a little bit of typos for garnishing. To give it that extra je ne sais quoi. <laughs> well, Olaf and Savannah and everyone who's attending, thank you for your time and your kind attendance. And may you and yours, especially during the time of fascism and pandemic, be healthy and happy. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye.